Little Masterpieces of American Wit and Humor, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Music by the Choir After the church organist had played a voluntary, introducing airs from 1492 and the Black Crook, which of course were not recognized by the congregation, the choir arose for its first anthem of the morning. The choir was made up of two parts, a quartet and a chorus. The former occupied seats in the front row, because the members were paid. The chorus was grouped about, and made a somewhat striking as well as startling picture. There were some who could sing, some who thought they could, and there were others. The leader of this aggregation was the tenor of the quartet. He was tall, but his neck was responsible for considerable of his extreme height. Because he was paid to lead that choir, he gave the impression to those who saw him that he was cutting some ice. A greater part of his contortions were lost because the audience did not face the choir. The organist struck a few chords, and without any preliminary wood sawing, the choir squared itself for action. Of course, there were a few who did not find the place till after rising, this is so in all choirs, but finally all appeared to be ready. The leader let out another link in his neck, and, while his head was taking a motion similar to a hen's when walking, the choir broke loose. This is what it sang. Abide, bide, ab, abide with, abide with, bide, abide me, with me, abide with, with me, fast, fast, falls, abide, fast, even, fast, falls, thee, abide with me, even, tide, falls, even, tide, the, the dark, the darkness, abide, the darkness deepens, Lord with me, Lord with me, deepens, Lord, Lord, darkness deepens with me, Lord with me, abide. That was the first verse. There were three others. Everyone is familiar with the hymn, hence it is not necessary to line the verses. During the performance, some who had not attended the choir rehearsal the Thursday evening previous were a little slow in spots. During the passage of these spots, some would move their lips and not utter a sound, while others, particularly the ladies, found it convenient to feel of their back hair or straighten their hats. Each one who did this had a look as if she could honestly say, I could sing that if I saw fit, and the choir sang on. But when there came a note, a measure, or a bar with which all were familiar, what a grand volume of music burst forth. It didn't happen this way many times, because the paid singers were supposed to do the greater part of the work, and the others were willing. At one point, after a breathing spell, or a rest, as musicians say, the tenor started alone. He didn't mean to, but by this break the deacons discovered that he was in the game and earning his salary. The others caught him at the first quarter, however, and away they went again, neck and neck. Before they finished, several had changed places. Sometimes Abide was ahead, and sometimes Lord, but on the whole it was a pretty even thing. Then the minister, he drew a salary also, read something out of the Bible after which, as they say in the newspapers, there was another well-rendered selection by the choir. This spasm was a tenor solo with chorus accompaniment. This was when he of the long neck got in his deadly work. The audience faced the choir, and the salaried soloist was happy. When the huddling had ceased, the soloist stepped a trifle to the front and, with the confidence born of a man who stands pat on four aces, gave a majestic sweep of his head toward the organist. He said nothing, but the movement implied, 
Let her go, Gallagher. Gallagher was on deck, and after getting his patent leather shoes well braced on the sub-bass pedals, he knotted together a few chords, and the soloist was off. His selection was, that is, verbatim, He eyed me, he eyed me, he eyed me, oh, that the pilgrim thrall this land. And he sang other things. He was away up in G. He diminuendoed, struck a cantable movement, slid up over a crescendo, tackled a second ending by mistake, but it went, caught his second wind in a moderato, signified his desire for a raise in salary on a trill, did some brilliant work on a maestoso, reached high C with ease, went down into the bass clef and climbed out again, quavered and held, did sixteen notes by the handful, payable on demand, waltzed along a minor passage, gracefully turned the dulceno, skipped a chromatic run, did the con expressione act worthier of a Dereski, poured forth volumes on a measure bold, broke the center of an andante passage for three yards, retarded to beat the band, came near getting applause on a cadenza, took a six-barred triplet without turning a hair, then sat down. Between whiles, the chorus had been singing something else. The notes bumped against the oiled natural wood rafters. It was a modern church. Ricocheted over the memorial windows, clung lovingly to the two $200 chandelier, floated along the ridge pole, patted the bald-headed deacons fondly, and finally died away in a bunch of contribution boxes in the corner. Then the minister preached. A Chicago man who had recently returned from Europe was asked by a friend what he thought of Rome. Well, he replied, Rome is a fair-sized town, but I couldn't help but think when I was there that she had seen her best days. End of chapter Little Masterpieces of American Wit and Humor, Volume 1